Welcome to a mathematical basis for reality. Bruce, I think you should tell them that Physical Truth is a book on mathematics and philosophy, and that it's a good story. Hi, okay. This is the most famous cat in all of history. This is Schrodinger's cat. I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know the cat's name. I imagine someone would if they know the cat's name. We had a cat in New Zealand. What was it? Fred? You know, the black cat? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cat uh, was a weird cat. We found it as a street cat, right? The cat was made of solid muscle. In order to try to, it, it just kind of beat up our other cat. Was it Joan, the other cat? I think it was. A female cat. Julie. Julie, right. It beat up Julie take her food. So we had to try and get separate food. So poor Julie, Julie wasn't beaten up by this cat, but no, we took pity on it. And, so on. and to wash it, we, we, I'd have to take my shirt off because it would rip the snot out of my shirt. Now I'd fill up the bathtub, you know, nice and warm for it and stuff like that. And I'd hold the cat above the tub and just drop it. Hopefully, you know, usually scratch like crazy. Well, until it landed in the tub you know, and got at least itself some you know cleanliness and so forth and scramble out of it and we wanted to take it to the vet i think it was to make sure it was okay we tried putting it in a box remember you couldn't get that cat in a box no matter how hard you try you try putting a cat in a box and as soon as i tried to put the cat in the box looking at this thing that was fighting and beating its way back out and wrestling with this thing um I thought of Schrodinger's cat. Okay, good. So we're back to Schrodinger's cat? Yes, we're okay, back to Schrodinger. Right. This, the cat killed rats that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. Back. Okay. Now I'm going to describe what Schrodinger's cat is from the footnote. There's a footnote to it. It's chapter 7 called Schrodinger's cat. So if I may read this. Mm -hmm. Schrodinger wrote, this is Schrodinger's own words, I quote, one can even set up quite ridiculous cases. A cat is penned up in a steel chamber, along with the following device, which must be secured against direct interference by the cat. In a Geiger counter, there is a tiny bit of radioactive substance, so small that perhaps in the course of the hour, one of the atoms decays, but also with equal probability perhaps none. If it happens, the countertube discharges and through a relay releases a hammer, which shatters a small flask of hydrocyanic acid. If one has left this entire system to itself for an hour, one would say that the cat still lives, if meanwhile no atom has decayed. The psi function of the entire system would express this by having in it the living and dead cat. Pardon the expression. So the cat is both dead and alive, which Schrodinger says is ridiculous and nonsensical. Nevertheless, the living and dead cat mixed or smeared out in equal parts. It is typical of these cases that an indeterminacy originally restricted to the atomic domain becomes transformed into macroscopic indeterminacy, which can then be resolved by direct observation.
soon as you look at a cat, you know, it's dead or alive. Just listen to it, beating on the side, trying to get out. That prevents us from so naively, naively accepting as valid a blurred model for representing reality. We can't have a blurred model represent reality, which is what I'm saying. It's in clear focus. The existence of the particle, the boundary of the particle, is absolutely clear, and it's in focus. It is sharp. Okay, it's not spread out or blurred. In itself, it would not embody anything unclear or contradictory. There is a difference between a shaky or out-of-focus photograph and a snapshot of clouds and fog banks. This is reference 29. The above text, uh, which I've just quoted, is a translation of two paragraphs from a much larger original article which appeared in the German magazine of Natural Sciences in 1935, reference 38. Okay, so that basically is what Schrodinger wrote to criticize uh, basically Niels Bohr. If you read uh, Schrodinger's 1935 paper on the particle nature, which he does present Schrodinger's equation, he does present characteristic functions, he separates variables and so forth, um, and then uses the eigenvalues to determine the, the spectral lines of the hydrogen atom. He says that the Bohr model uh, is completely incorrect because it would decay um, because of the electron circling the proton, which would give off electromagnetic radiation. The atom would, would decay immediately, but it doesn't. And he shows that it doesn't by attacking it mathematically rather than physically. It does not have a physical model. It's a mathematical model, and it works. That's why we use it. And so here again, in this particular article, he brings up Schrodinger's cat, which is not a postulate of physics. Schrodinger's cat is a ridicule of Niels Bohr. It's saying that the Bohr model cannot possibly be accurate. It's incorrect. And then he goes to this interpretation of probability and says, that's nonsense, because then you can't have a cat that is 50% probably alive, 50% probably dead, and that forms the quantum state of the cat. He says, that, that's complete nonsense. I have done a previous chapter on the observer. Remember the observer? Yes. Yeah, okay. So the observer is the cat. <laughs> okay. We're forgetting. The cat is the observer. All right? That is what brings it completely out of, of uh, the realm of this fuzzy logic or this blurred reality. No. The cat's the observer. It's in the box. And if the, if the subatomic particle does strike the Geiger counter, the Geiger counter is an observer with the subatomic particle, etc. There's observers all over the place, or you can't have events. So the cat can never be in a state of being either alive or dead. It's one or the other. Sorry, it can never be in a state of being both alive and dead at the same time. That's nonsense. It's the observer... And it's, the, it's Heisenberg's principle and so forth. That determines in very, very sharp focus that that cat is either alive or dead. Okay. And if you want to know if the cat's alive or dead, just ask the cat. The cat is the observer. And that's what has been completely ignored. Wow. That's interesting. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Well, why, uh, what makes it... Why do you think it's ignorant? <laughs> huh. No, 
it's just, you know, it just puts the, what you were talking about before, about the observer, um, into context. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I had to prepare what the observer is, why it's, yeah. I'm, I'm explaining. This is what I mean by an observer. Yeah. Although, no one has a clue why I'm saying it. Now, all of a sudden, the, the building blocks start coming into place. It's how I'm building it. I have to build some building blocks. People look at it and say, why in the world is he talking about an observer? Now, all of a sudden, we come to Schrodinger's cat. After we have done Schrodinger's equation and solved it, and we have managed to determine Heisenberg as a derivation from Schrodinger's equation, after we do all of that, we find that the actual consequence is that reality is sharply defined. It's not fuzzy due to various different types of probabilities. And the reason that is because there's an observer which Schrodinger has said immediately resolves the conundrum. As soon as we bring in an observer. Well, you always have an observer. If you don't have an observer, you don't have an event. There's always an observer. Whole particles, in effect, can be thought of as an observer. So what would be the point that you would like to get across to all of those people who have fast-forwarded the math Yes. And they are now here. What is it that you would like them to learn and take from that mathematics if they were unable to follow it or unable to follow these ideas that you've been talking about? What is the main point that you would like people to understand if they were having a difficult time grasping all this? Okay, at the present time, because we're now going to go into the Einstein field equations, which is worse. I'm sorry. Nevertheless, from Schrodinger's equation, it means that existence is real. Existence has a probability of one. It is 100% real. It has nothing to do with probability. It has to do with potential. And the potential is manifested when psi equals 1. As a result, psi equals 1 from Schrodinger's equation, it, something exists in some way. Now, in the future we'll go to string theory and other things like that, but for now, uh, the conclusion we can, we can say that if you got a table, that table's real. It is not some holographic manifestation or multi-universe thing. It's this universe and this table is real, and there's only one universe. Okay, we're in it. And our bodies are formed from particles, atoms, molecules, various other things, and they're real. They're not probably here. We're actually here. This whole thing is real. So it's the basis of reality. The other thing in, in looking with Blackfoot culture, uh, with the Blackfoot people, is the concept and idea of Nitsitapi. Nitsitapi is that which is real, or the real people. So Blackfoot people are the Nitsitapi, the real people. And I'm going to be yelled at for the way I pronounce it, but nevertheless, we'll continue on. It's a great word and a great, great concept. That instead of looking for truth, which is in a Eurocentric culture, we all look for truth and stuff like that, uh, the Nitsitapi look for that which is real. Okay? And we have this wonderful... Um, cooperation between the two, two epistemologies. You know, truth and reality, they're, they're the same thing. So we're approaching it for Schrodinger's equations. Oh, it's all real. It's actually happening. 
And the fact that it's real and actually happening is what truth is. Because now we have to take a look at this Psy thing. Psy, um, later on we'll see, Psy actually has to be something. We call it the potential of existence, okay? Which is, at this time, kind of arm-wavy, just like it could be the probability of existence, kind of arm-wavy. We don't really know what we mean by Psy, but I'm going to develop this because we're now going to attack from outside the particle in the space that is bigger than the Heisenberg limit in the world of reality that you and I live in. And that world is governed by the Einstein field equations. And there we can use Psi in our world, okay, bigger than a particle. Okay, we're in the world of a whole mess of particles being together that make up a table. All the particles are real and tables are real. Okay, so now uh, what we'll see in the future, what is this Psi thing? And we find out that it has a lot to do with truth. It comes from verification. It exists because we can verify it. And if we can verify it, that is what truth is. It has the potential of being verified, and that is existence, which forms the link between reality and truth, which is where I come down to truth has to be objective, not subjective. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, our, what our, our perceptions are. The truth is independent of our perceptions, which I've, I've also done before. That's what that means. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you liked what you heard, you may subscribe in your podcast provider and perhaps share in various social media sites. Bruce has promised he won't change the links anymore and screw up trying to find the next episode. Please enjoy the rest of your day and may everything work out for the best. We try to have a new podcast every Saturday, so see you next week.